Amen. Please remain standing. This morning, I would like to direct your attention to two scripture readings. The first one comes from the Old Testament, uh, the book of Genesis chapter 22. The account of our father Abraham being uh, commanded by God to sacrifice his own Isaac, his own son Isaac. Uh, Genesis 22, in the church Bible, you will find it on page 20. Page 20. Genesis 22, 6 to 8. Remember, Abraham and Isaac were on their way, on their way to, to the mountain. And this is what happened. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And uh, he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went, both of them, together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father... And he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. Now we are going to read the fulfillment of it in uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, where we are every Sunday morning. John 1, beginning from verse 29 to 34. Now remember, this is John the Baptist giving his testimony of Christ. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is He of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came, baptizing with water, and he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. Let's pray. Our gracious and heavenly Father, as we now humble ourselves before you to hear your voice from heaven through the preaching of your word, we ask you to prepare good soils, the hearts of your people as those good soils to bear fruit, some 30, some 60, and some a hundredfold. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. 
You know, in, in the court of law, someone who provides testimonial evidence of what he or she know or claim to know is called a witness. A witness in the courthouse, standing before the judge, gives the evidence of what he saw, the evidence of what he claims that he has seen and he knows. And I don't know how many of you are noticing or sensing that so far, but in our consideration of the Gospel of John, in particular in verses 6 to where we are this morning, verse 34, all the way to verse 34, it is like we are in the courthouse. And we have been seeing this witness. His name is John the Baptist. He is standing in this courtroom. His audience are the Jews people. And the judges are the religious leaders of Christ's time. And John, as if he's standing in this courtroom, he's giving evidence, he's giving his testimony about Jesus. Now, God doesn't need John's testimony of his son. But the reason why God sent John to serve as a witness for Christ, as a witness about Jesus, was for our sake. So that you and I would know who Jesus is. You, you and I would understand who Jesus really is. The world, the Jews, and you and I are in need, in need of John's uh, testimony and uh, witness about Christ. Notice in verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light. That all might believe through him. All might believe through him. Through who? John. What about John? His, his witness, his testimony about Christ. And remember in chapter 20, verse 30 and 31, John tells us the main purpose why the gospel of John was written. John tells us many other miracles Jesus performed in his earthly ministry. All of them are not written here. But those who are written here, they were written for us so that we would know who Jesus is, believe in him, and have eternal life in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's why this book was written. That's why we're studying this book every Sunday morning. On that first day of his witnessing, in verse 19 to 28, we saw that John the Baptist bore witness about himself in relation to Christ. You remember on that first day, you know, what we, what we are looking at this morning in the second day. Uh, on the first day, uh, John 
testified about himself, but in relation to, the, to Christ, in relation to the Messiah. And he said, I am not the Christ. I am not the light. I am not the life. But he said, I'm a voice. Remember what I told you? When he was introducing himself to the Jews, introducing himself as a voice. He was not looking for a title. He was not looking for fame. But he was exalting Christ in his ministry. He said, I'm, I'm just a voice. I'm happy with that. You know, I'm happy to be just a voice. It is time for me to decrease and for him to increase, John said. John the Baptist, you see, was speaking about himself but in relation to Christ. But this morning, in our text this morning, on the second day, you know, notice the next day. This is the second day. Now John is, you see, pointing his finger... Directly at Jesus, no more about himself, no more concerning his ministry, but who Jesus is. He's pointing his fingers at Jesus saying, behold, the first day was, listen, he's here. The second day, behold, which also means receive him, believe in him. What you, what you see this morning, brothers and sisters in Christ, in the ministry of John the Baptist Coming to an end. It was like a dawn suddenly disappears at the sunrise. That's the picture. You know, the sun rises and the dawn goes away. Now, the, the sunrise is Christ. He has come. He appeared. Now, John had to disappear. Because everything now is Christ. Everything now is about Christ. And John wanted every person, everyone who was listening to his message, John wanted this. John wanted people to believe in Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God, Listen carefully, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, and Jesus Christ as the anointed of God. Jesus Christ as the Savior who suffered for the sins of his people. Jesus Christ who rules over his people. He is the Lamb, he is the King. John wanted his hearers everywhere, not only the Jews, and all of us to believe in Jesus as the Lamb, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of sinners, God's people, and as the anointed King by His Father. And by God's grace, I want us to consider this under two headings this morning. The first one, Jesus as the Lamb of God. Jesus as the Lamb of God. And you see that in verses 29 to 31. Jesus as the Lamb of God. And then Jesus as the anointed of God. And you'll see that in verse 32 and 34. Jesus as the Lamb. The next day, verse uh, 29. The next day, 
he saw Jesus coming toward him. And he said, behold, the Lamb of God. Now, the first thing that verse 29, uh, in verse 29, that John the Baptist is telling you is now he is the last prophet in the Old Testament. And the first prophet in the New Testament. He stands in the middle. You see, the Old Covenant, the New Covenant, and John the Baptist stands in the middle. And he helps us to see the transition. John is saying, all the sacrifices, the sacrifices in the Old Testament are now becoming to an end. The old is gone now. Now the new has come. The New Testament And this Messiah, this Christ, who is the Lamb of God, who will take away the sins of all people, will establish that new covenant by His grace and truth. The law came through Moses, John said. Grace and truth came through Christ, the Son of God, through Christ the Messiah. You see the transition now. We're living the old covenant and we are now receiving the new covenant through Christ. Notice his fingers were pointing to Jesus, the man. No more an animal for sacrifice, but his fingers are now pointing to the man. You see, pointing to Jesus, he shouted, behold, behold, receive him. Take a pause and look at this man. He's a human being. He's a man, but he's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of God's people. Now, listen. This announcement by John the Baptist, Jesus being the Lamb of God, a man, was a new phenomenon. It was new. The Jews have never heard anything like that before. A man as a lamb of God. He was, John was introducing the chief work of Christ as the lamb of God. As the Messiah. Of course, Jesus bestowed many other blessings upon us as his people. It was Jesus who gave us new nature. It was Jesus who gave us new hearts. It is Jesus who shepherds us as our great shepherd. It is Jesus who protects us us in times of dangers. Yes, Jesus has bestowed, bestowed many other blessings upon us. But the chief work of Jesus, upon which, you see, all other blessings um, stands, is his work as a lamb. Because as the lamb of God, Jesus shed his blood on the cross and reconciled us with his father. So that you and I would be declared as righteous in the sight of God. 
That's why you see John said, the Lamb of God. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of God's people. But what was new for the Jews was, this is a man. This is not an animal. This is a man. What their experience in the past was, the way for the sins of God's people to be pardoned, to be forgiven, an animal had to be sacrificed. That's what they know. That's what they experience in life. Now John is telling them, no, no, it's no more an animal. It is this man. And I'm sure the, the Jews were asking, what is he talking about? What is this? A man as a lamb? Now remember his audience were the Israelites. His audience were the Jews. And what they know is, you know, the story of Abraham. Abraham commanded, uh, God commanded Abraham to sacrifice his own son Isaac. Do you remember that story? On their way to the mountain, Isaac asked his father, Father, I see the wood, I see the fire. Where is the lamb? Where is the animal for the sacrifice? And you remember Abraham's response. My son, don't worry about the lamb. God will provide. And then they arrived to the place. Abraham took the knife to kill his son. To sacrifice his son. For the glory of God. Because he was commanded to kill his son. And he took the knife. And he was about to kill his son. And God said, stop. The angel said, stop. Now I see that you love God. You obey God. And turn back. And look what you see. And he turned back and he saw a ram. He saw a lamb. And God told him, now, I'm going to spare Isaac, take the lamb, and sacrifice the lamb. That lamb, beloved, points everyone to Christ. The lamb of God. You see, John 1, 29. Behold, the lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world. Not only that, you remember in Exodus 12, God told the Israelites to sacrifice an animal without blemish and then post the blood of the, the animal on, on their doorpost. And God sent the angel of death to kill Every firstborn in Egypt. God was delivering his people from Egypt. And he told them, listen, the only way uh, the, the, the angel of death will pass over you. Pass by your house without killing your firstborn. The angel must see the blood on the door. And they sacrificed, you know, an animal without blemish. And they posted the blood on the door. And the angel of death appeared in Egypt. And he passed by. He passed over the homes of the Israelites. Because he saw the blood on the door. And this is what Moses tells us in Exodus 12, 13. The blood shall be a sign for you. On the houses where you are. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague will fall upon you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. 
And now John is saying, behold the Lamb of God. You don't see any blood on, on, on any door in John chapter 1. You don't, you don't even see an animal. You see a man who came to the world as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. You see, John is pointing them to the man, and everyone was asking, what, what is he saying? What is he doing? Because in the mind of the Jews, you see, it has to be an animal. And if, he, if it is a man, he has to be perfect and without blemish. And in their mind, who would fill that place? Who would stand as a man, perfect man, without blemish, and die on the cross and take away the sins of the world? Who would do that? Answer, no one, except Jesus, God the man in the flesh. Because in Romans 3, Paul tells us, no one is righteous. No, not one. Except Jesus. That's why Jesus took human flesh. That's why Jesus became man. Because there was no perfect man to represent us and die for us on the cross and save us from God's wrath. So God sent his own begotten son, Jesus Christ, to fulfill that ministry. To die on the cross. 1 Peter 2.24 He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. He bore our sins on the cross. Why? To reconcile us with the Father. To give us for the forgiveness of our sins. To give us uh, the right to become the children of God. But how did Christ do that? Hebrews 9.22 Indeed, under the law. Old Testament. Indeed, under the law. Almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. So now we come to John chapter 1. Who becomes your sacrifice for your sin? Jesus, the Lamb of God, so that you would receive the forgiveness of your sins, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of God's people. Takes away so that it will not be remembered again. So that your fellowship with God will not be distorted once again. Isaiah 53, 5, but he was pierced for our transgressions and was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. When Jesus went to the cross, there was this transaction between the Father and the Son. What happened, what happened was when Jesus was going to the cross, God the Father took all our sins, the sins of God's people, and put all our sins upon his son. Our sins were imputed upon Jesus, the son of God. And, the fa and, and God the Father took the righteousness of his son and he imputed upon us. So there was this exchange that took place at the cross. Jesus took our sin 
We took his righteousness. We received it by faith. In Revelation chapter 5, John shows us how even in heaven, Jesus was viewed by the saints. In Revelation 5, listen to what John tells us, starting from verse 8. When he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp and a golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God, for every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked, and I heard around the throne and the living creatures, and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, now listen to this, Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Worthy is the Lamb. What you see in Revelation chapter 5 is people celebrating Christ forever. Forever. Even in heaven. As the Lamb of God. That's why you see Isaiah in Isaiah 40, 3 to 5, he tells us that he was sent as a voice to cry in the wilderness to prepare people's heart to receive the Messiah. So that when the Messiah appears, every eye would see him in the flesh. And that's what happened, you see here. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of God's people. Secondly, John wants you to believe in Jesus as the anointed of God. As the anointed of God. Listen to John in verse, um, in verse 31. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came, baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. Revealed to Israel. So we saw that. He has revealed it to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove and remained on him. And then John said, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is who who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Now, I, I want you to think about not the Lamb. We saw that. But a king who had been anointed by God. And now when John said, and I saw. He's remembering Jesus' baptism in Matthew chapter 3. You remember, uh, John was baptizing people for repentance. He was preparing people to receive the Messiah. And Jesus appeared, Jesus came. And John said, I'm not going to baptize you. You are mightier than me. You are greater than me. I must be baptized by you. 
And, and Jesus gave him permission. You know, go ahead and baptize me. I'm, I'm going to start my earthly ministry and, and declare that I am the Son of God. I am the Messiah. So John, it's okay. I give you permission. Baptize me. And John baptizes him. And then windows of heaven were opened. And God the Father testified about his son saying, This is my son in whom I am well pleased. This is my son in whom, you see, myself and my people are reconciled. I'm pleased in this son. This is the Messiah, God the Father said. And then the Holy Spirit descended from heaven upon Jesus as a dove. Now, first of all, let me explain one important aspect of the Holy Spirit descending upon Jesus as a dove. The Bible is not saying that a dove is the embodiment of the Holy Spirit. A dove is the actual uh, representation of the Holy Spirit. That's, what, that's not what the Bible is teaching. I'm sure, you know, in many homes you have seen, you know, doves, you know, as the Holy Spirit being, you know, people have been told, this is the Holy Spirit. No, that's not the Holy Spirit. What, what, what John and Matthew is telling us in the Gospels is the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus as a dove would descend from above. But the dove was not the Holy Spirit. You need to remove that from your mind. But why did the Holy Spirit descend upon Jesus? The purpose was the Father was anointing his Son as the Messiah, as the King, for this purpose to baptize people with the Holy Spirit. Only Jesus can do that. I know there are preachers. In this land and other places today, who claim to have, you know, a special gift, a special anointing to fill people by the Holy Spirit. That is wrong. That is not biblical. Every time you hear that from anyone, run for your life. Ignore them. Only Jesus commands the Holy Spirit. Only Jesus has the authority to fill people by the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit, you know, Jesus filling you by the Holy Spirit means? Jesus making you a new creature. Jesus giving you a new heart. Jesus giving you a new nature. No preacher can do that. Except Jesus. No one can transform anyone's life except Jesus. And Jesus does that through the power of the Holy Spirit. He was anointed by his Father as a king, as a savior, to do that. To baptize people with the Holy Spirit. To regenerate us, to give us new spiritual births. To sanctify us, to conform us to the likeness of himself through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus, you see, was given that authority by his Father to baptize people with the Holy Spirit. You remember 
In Ezekiel 36, 26, And I will give a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from you, from your flesh, and give you a heart of flesh. This was in the Old Testament, and the promise was about the New Testament. And through this new covenant, Jesus will give us new heart, new nature. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember what Jesus told Nicodemus. Jesus, uh, Nicodemus was a Jew. He was a, a religious leader in Israel. And he was seeking eternal life. He came to Jesus at night and he asked him, What do I do to inherit the kingdom of God? To inherit eternal life. And Jesus told him this. Nicodemus, you are the teacher of Israel. You should know this. Truly, truly I say to you, unless one is born from above, born again through the power of the Holy Spirit, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus, you want to be born from above. Which also means you need to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. Jesus should baptize you by the Holy Spirit. It's a sign of blessing. Blessing for eternal life. Blessing for regeneration. Blessing for reconciliation with God the Father. So Jesus came to baptize people with the Holy Spirit. But remember in Matthew 3, 11, Matthew tells us when Jesus comes, he will baptize people by the Holy Spirit and by fire. Here comes his kingship. Here comes his rule. Again, let me warn all, warn all of you, remind all of you, You have heard preachers saying, God will baptize us by, the whole, by, by fire. And we will be on fire for the Lord. You have heard that so many times, yes? Let me tell you this. You don't need to be baptized by fire. Fire is a sign of judgment. The Holy Spirit comes for blessing. Fire comes for judgment. Read the scripture. Wherever fire is mentioned, the wrath of God, the judgment of God comes upon the people. Fire is not going to make you, you know, to be excited for the Lord. Fire will destroy you. Fire destroys. Fire burns. The Holy Spirit blesses you. That's why you see in Matthew 3, 12. This is what we read. He will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into, into barn. But the chaff, the scripture says, but the chaff he will burn with unconscionable fire. See? See the use of fire now? As a king, he's going to use fire, but to punish, to judge, to burn the chaff. Unrepentant sinners. 
Those who will resist the gospel to the end, God forbid, He will burn them. And that fire will never stop for eternity. So what do we do now? We come to Jesus. We run to Jesus, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. Listen, brothers and sisters in Christ, the moment a person believes in Jesus Christ, Jesus fills that person by the Holy Spirit. Jesus fills that person by the Holy Spirit for that person to receive all divine blessings. Regeneration, justification, sanctification, adoption, and glorification will be yours in Christ Jesus. When you receive Christ, Jesus will baptize you by the Holy Spirit. When you, receive, when you refuse to receive Christ, then God, Jesus will face you on the judgment day. And, will, and it will be a terrible day for you. Then he will use fire. Now, come to Jesus. And he will use the Holy Spirit. He will baptize you by the Holy Spirit. Jesus is your Savior who suffered for the sake of your sins. But is also the anointed Son of God. To baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Know Jesus in that way. Let's pray. A gracious and heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, what you have done for us through Him, baptizing us by the Holy Spirit. Lord, help every one of us to. To grasp that, to understand that. To be thankful to you, our God, for baptizing us by the Holy Spirit through Christ. And this morning I pray. I pray if anyone among us is without Christ, without this baptism by the Holy Spirit, they might come to you with humility and in repentance. So that your son would baptize them by the Holy Spirit. For salvation, for redemption, for justification, and for sanctification and glorification. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.